every night in my dreams. I actually don't know how the song goes. I what? see you. I feel. Oh my God! I didn't you. realize that's what you were singing. That is how I know you go on far across the distance and spaces between us. Yeah, that's not how that goes. You have come to show you go on near, far, wherever you are. I believe that the heart does go on Once more You open the door And you're here in my heart And my heart will go on and on Love can touch us one time and last for a I'm in my alto shit right now. <laughs> I'm in my alto bag. I'm, in my, I'm kind of in my alto phase right now. <laughs> um, Liz, hello. Hello, Brace. How you doing? I'm doing well. I feel great. Got two feet on the ground, right mm-hmm. at sea level, where mm-hmm. I belong. I'm, of course, sitting Swami style on the ground as I record every episode. But yes, the feet are near the ground. Pressure's normal. Pressure feels great. Not a lot of windows. In the room we're gonna we're in right now, to be completely honest with you, there's one window, but it just goes into another. It just another goes room. into another. It goes yeah. into an isolation booth, which, which is where we put me when I'm being bad. <laughs> and who am I? My name is Brace Belden, captain of the HMS Liz. What? Yeah, all ships are women. Well, and I'm Liz, obviously, handy dandy co-pilot. Nope, boiler. Boiler's mate. No. And we are, mate. as always, joined by little Skippy over here, Young Chomsky. The cabin boy. The cabin boy. And the podcast is called True and Non. You know, wait, I think I have mentioned this on the podcast before, but I'm going to say it again because who knows when I said it. I used to have this game where that I would play at work with my old boss where it was called the dream boat. Mm-hmm. And we would say who we would put on a boat that was like all of the people that we thought were like total dream boats. Yeah. And it was like the dream boat. But then they all had positions. And so you'd be like, this is the captain of the dream boat. This is the bosun of the Yeah, of but the then you had boat. the stowaways, which were like the people you didn't really want to uh, like people to know, but they were on the who dream would boat. Who be on your dream boat now? That's what? private information. Oh, wow. Pa- uh, pa- Pedro, what, what do we Pedro Pascal. Women love him. Who? Is that like a TikTok? A, he's, he's, I think he's, he's popular on TikTok, and he's a famous actor. Oh, I don't know who that I'd is. I'd have him as a – well, me and my friends did something similar. We called it Galley Slave. And we looked at all of the guys that we saw that were kind of larger than us and kind of imagined ourselves either hitting a drum to make them row better or like kind of just whipping into the air. That's terrible. And so, yeah, it was kind of – we also picked them for hotness. Hello, well. everyone. You know what's cool about last week? What? Everyone learned a new word. <sighs> yep. Felching. 
What? It's all good. Everyone learned it but you, apparently. What <laughs> word did people learn? They learned submersible. Sub- Wait, Liz. <laughs> I, I don't... Mad people had not heard the word submersible before. Are we so sure about that? Yes. I feel like this is one of those things where you're like, yeah, nobody knew about this before, but... No, a lot of people prob- probably had never heard it in as opposed to a submarine. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You're showing your white male privilege right now. <laughs> yes, I and am. And I think that a lot of people not here for it. Sorry, white. Yes, I. Yes, we. Okay, we like to go down there, see what's going on. We're going to find Atlantis. Um, yeah, people learned about submersibles, and I found out about a little ship called the Titanic. <laughs> okay, uh, let's cut to the chase. We have to cover this. What? I'm the the episode that we're doing. Right oh now. yeah, no. But I'm we telling already, the audience this right oh, now. Oh, Okay, I thought you were telling me, and I was I like, wanna, no, no. We I we've got lots of notes. I want to get everything out of out of the way here. I have been able to think about almost nothing else since the sub first went down or was reported missing. Mm. I have been able to think about practically nothing else except for that submersible, and it's. I knew what its fate was immediately. Obviously, every everybody who really thought about it did. Yeah, but. I, I, it's it's con, it's it's consume me in much the same way as a Titanic consumes some of these poor souls. Yeah, it's a little eerie how much they mirror each other. Which I got to say, James Cameron in an interview mentioned that, and I was like, get out of here. Now he was rocking. I like being that. annoying. I I disagree. I don't need I think to hear from this good. man. I think he's been he's been down there a lot. I don't need to hear from. Not him. a lot of guys have. The Titanic's up. All right, so I just I, I we have been we we had a whole other episode planned. That we were gonna do. We yeah, even had some notes and everything for it, but this is this. We have to talk. That about one's this. going lost. That's that's going into shit? the lost tapes. No one will ever find 41 out. Forty-one lost tapes now, <laughs> true and on episodes. So for everyone at home who was in fact in a submersible underwater for the last week and has no idea what we're talking about, what we're talking about is this little ship that could not, mm-hmm. which is called the Titan, which is a five-man, twenty-one-foot submersible. Was operated by a private company called Ocean Gate Expeditions. No idea if this company is still in operation. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> Not for long. Uh, this little doohickey dinghy <laughs> uh, submerged at 8 a.m. last Sunday. Which who knows when you're listening to this? But just bear with me here. Yeah, it comes last out Sunday on Monday. Um, they lost communications with their mothership at 9:45 a.m. So about an hour and 45 minutes after they submerged. But they didn't report it missing to the U.S. Coast Guard until 5.40 p.m. later that afternoon, which I got some questions about. Um, They were supposed to return back up. They did not. What, five days later? Yes, five days later. They had about 90 hours of oxygen. I mean, so they reported missing. It becomes this kind of like, where are they? Maybe they're just lost at sea for a little bit, but there's kind of like an oxygen countdown thing going on here. Yeah, About 90 hours of oxygen on board. And as of yesterday morning, that 90 hours was officially over. But by that point, uh, unless you're having really morbid fantasies, like you know that they are long dead. Well, right? I think some people were hoping that they could, that maybe it was kind of just like caught on the ship or like, yeah. oh, had floated up somewhere and was just like bobbing along on the ocean. Uh, at the you know the top of the ocean or whatever. Um, it had not. The U.S. Coast Guard announced that they found. Debris mm-hmm. that matched what they believed to be the hull of the little thingy, the little yeah, little, little doohickey. Submersible. Um, and it has since been revealed that yes, in fact, it did implode, which we will get to. 
But first, we should kind of talk about a little bit of background. The Titanic. The big, the elephant in the ocean. The motherfucking Titanic. Now, Liz, you and I actually met on the Titanic. You, at the time, I believe, were with your husband. I was kind of like a roguish stowaway. Um, (sighs) And I was, you know, I I honestly, I met a really beautiful woman on that ship, had a great romance with her, and I married Rich, and I came to New York sort of on top of my game. Mm. You, of course, were divorced by your husband on the ship, which was one of the first times it's ever happened in naval history. And you kind of came here as a pauper, and I rescued you. This is so mean. Sort of put you in the workhouse kind of thing. Now, the Titanic, right? It is, I mean, listen, everybody knows what the motherfucking Titanic is. If you haven't seen the Titanic, the movie, you're weird. I feel like it's one of the most <laughs> You've watched. You've seen it, right? Of course. I saw it in the theaters. Yeah, me too. Twice. I, probably one of the first sex scenes I actually ever saw. Damn. I think me too, maybe. Yeah. It was pretty. When, it was a late bloomer. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and it's the, the, I can fully remember, of course, the hand. Against sort of horror movie style, making a streak against the window in the T Model Ford or wherever they were fucking in. Yeah, I remember my friend and I in grade school or whenever we went and saw it. We this is such a classic Liz moment. We went and we were like real like sarcastic like bratty kids like oh my god this is gonna be so stupid this movie looks so cheesy oh my god this is gonna be so dumb and then in the audience like you know halfway through just like sobbing, fucking bawling sobbing. just totally oh my god, flying, Jack. hold on come on Jack come on. So the Titanic, big-ass motherfucking ship, very fancy, sort of an affront to God, you might call it. Kind of like a middle finger to Jesus Christ, Moses, uh, you know, Muhammad, kind of all of them up there. And, of course, because of that, because of its insult to to, to God, it struck an iceberg. Mm. Um, and in their Allegedly, hu- possibly. Well, we'll get to that, yeah. But in their hubris— these people did not pack enough lifeboats, mm. and uh, about 1,500 people, give or take about 100, uh, died in horrible ways. Mostly, I guess, freezing in the freezing cold Atlantic Ocean. Uh, the the wreck sank down to the bottom of the ocean. Now, to get this out of the way, there are a number of conspiracy theories surrounding the sinking of the Atlant- Atlantis. Jesus, I've got mermen on the brain. Uh, the Titanic. And one of them I really like. Actually, both of them I really like, but both of them are very much unbelievable. The first is that the Titanic was actually switched out with a different ship mm. uh, and sunk as part of like an insurance yeah. scheme, which seems a little unworkable to me. Yeah, but I like that one because li- yeah. you know I hate the insurance company. You know I like doing insurance fraud. Just kidding. Do not use that against me if you're an insurance adjuster in like three years. Please. <laughs> I really did break both of my legs on your construction site while walking through to prevent one of your workers from sexually harassing a woman. The other one is is that the ship was sunk on purpose to eliminate opponents of the Federal Reserve. Wow. I now, didn't know that one. This is, yes. John Jacob Astor famously died on it. Isidore Strauss and his old lady, you know, the, who was, I think he was the co-owner of Macy's at the time, not just the full owner, the co-owner, uh, and Benjamin Guggenheim, they all died on it, and apparently they were opposed to the creation of the Federal Reserve, and instead of ending the Fed, the Fed ended them. <laughs> uh, I really like that because it seems way easier to just shoot three guys uh, than sink a yeah. giant ship. Especially but, on a boat. Yeah, yeah. You could easily – listen, well, I've seen that Columbo episode – Novel right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. You could kill somebody about no problem. Just push them. Mm. And what are they going to do? Throw you in sea jail? There's yeah. no laws out there. Or just shoot them. Shoot them. Throw, throw the gun on overboard. Anyways, that's the wiser. Big old wreck. Blown up 
by the United States government to destroy the enemies of the Federal Reserve, sunk to the bottom of the ocean, and it has been lying there ever since, slowly being eaten away. Yeah, it's in two parts, which I think is very cool. It's in two parts because the thing, you know, it, it split in half before it sank, it sank famously, mm-hmm. and in between it... Um, is an area they call the debris field. Yeah. Which is sort of the area where all these belongings and typewriters and all of Jack's paintings of Rose are. And obviously, oh, you know, pa- the, the beautiful necklace. He painted in that? Yeah. Like, oh, draw me like one of your French girls. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. I don't only remember bits and pieces of it. No, but the reason why I said allegedly hit an iceberg is because I was reading, I was up on the old Titanic web boards. Yeah, you the other have been, night. Spent, you spent a lot of time on those. Yeah, shout out to Encyclopedia Titanica mm-hmm. and the very robust so many, and many of our male listeners community. F- found their wives. <laughs> yeah. Sort of a dating um, app for them. No, but there's theories that, and this actually came about ever since they they've done some visits to the Titanic, which uh-huh. we'll talk about, that there aren't actually, you know, popular narrative is that the Titanic's, the captain, you know, very, with great hubris, uh, scraped up against the side of an iceberg, and that's what did the ship in. Shoulder checked it. Yeah. It was shoulder checked And they say that those scrapes are not visible, which I'm like, who knows? But there's a lot of people, like reputable people, not crazy people, that have a theory that, I mean, it still hit an iceberg, but it was on the bottom of the ship. And that's what caused it. scraped underneath. Scraped underneath, which maybe not a big difference, but it would exonerate the uh, captain a bit. Well, he did go down with the ship, which I do think is a kind of cool thing that captains have to do. Yeah. Kind of bullshit. Like, Because what if it's not your fault? Like, what if you get torpedoed? It's like, well, I can't really help that. You know what I mean? It's not like I have armor on. I mean, you have armor plating on the ship, but you know what I mean. Like, you should be able to get off the ship, but that's neither here nor there. It's at the bottom of the motherfucking ocean, right? And it, it stayed there for a long time. I want to. I want to be. I well, it's just, still there. I want yes, but I want to be. I want to be very just honest with our audience. I am freaked out by the depths of the ocean. Of the ocean. Fuck yes, as you should. They're be. scary to me, right? It's very scary. It's much like space, but it, the opposite. The opposite, and there's nothing further because you can keep going in space, mm. and then you hit like Beetlejuice or like Jupiter. Or right. whatever. At the bottom, you just hit the Earth, but lower. Well, many don't know this, but actually, if you get beyond Pluto, there's actually just a wall. There's a wall, yeah. There's the wall, and you kind of clang up against it. Yeah, but um, it's a big wall. It is a big wall, and it's tough to get there. It's tough to get there. So at the bottom of the, like, you know, it's just, there's a, it's a big space, right? And so I think people might be a little surprised to know that they actually didn't find the Titanic for a long time. They actually did, they could not locate the actual wreck of the Titanic at the bottom of the ocean for quite a while. Which is kind of crazy because it's a real big ship. It's a real big ship. It was found by a guy named Robert Ballard. Mm. Now, Ballard's kind of an interesting cat. He was in the Navy, Naval Intelligence, actually, for I think something like 20 years. And he, after he, I think he quits the Navy, and then he returns to them with an offer. He's like, listen, I need you guys to help me create robotic submersibles in order to find the Titanic. So he says... The Navy says, okay, yeah, we'll help you develop this technology, but to look for submarine wrecks. Now, Liz, I'm going to be – I know a little bit about submarines. Yeah, we've ma- we know about your white male privilege. Yes. Well, c- yes, but I used to – I have a personal connection to a submarine. There was a submarine that was parked at uh, Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco. Have uh-huh. you ever been there? Yeah, I remember next that. To the, the Liberty ship. The big thing. The, yes. 
I used to buy Coke from a guy who worked on it. Like, was wait, what did he do on this submarine? Well, he wasn't like... He literally... Uh, was he like a ticket taker? He for was the ticket to... taker at the little okay, thing in front of the submarine. <laughs> but I know that he had a pretty much free reign to go in the submarine mm. and things like that. So he was kind of like, kind of a, I mean, he worked on a submarine. Am I wrong? I mean, he I worked mean, off the submarine, but he worked next like, to it on the project of getting people on the submarine yeah. for tours. I think that that's fair. So I'm kind of like emotionally invested in this sure. stuff because of that. So Ballard was tasked with finding these two Cold War-era submarine wrecks, and they actually kind of sandwich the Titanic in where their supposed locations were supposed to be and where they actually ended up being, right? Mm. And the first of these is actually one I want to go to in a little bit in detail because it has some similarities to our recent Titan accident. This is the USS Thresher. That is a very cool name. Yes, it is. Yeah. And it's a very, it's sort of a famous submarine wreck. This is one of those ones that before we started this episode, I was like, oh, I know what that is. Mm. That one and the Kursk, I was familiar with yeah. the stories of. Because they're both the pretty Kursk horrific stories. The Kursk goes crazy. That, the Kursk was fucked. And ugly as hell. You thought it was a disgusting sub? <laughs> I don't like it. You don't like it? <laughs> I don't like it. Interesting. Okay. You I'm like just, the way, okay. I'm just going to say. Hmm. It doesn't have the elegance of Red October. It does not have the elegance of a Red October. So, All right, the USS Thresher was a nuclear attack submarine commissioned in 61. Pretty, you know, we're talking Cold War, Cold War here. And it was still being tested, and it was on deep diving tests alongside a Navy submarine rescue ship in pretty deep water several hundred miles east of Cape Cod. So that day, the sub-rescue ship, like the day that it was lost, the sub-rescue ship hadn't actually seen the Thresher, but had communicated with it via radio. And we're basically like via – it's like the sonar thing. The way that subs communicate to uh, ships, at least back then, was – and still, I guess, is, is sort of too strange for me to understand, but it involves sonar. There were indications that there were problems leveling out the sub, and then communications between the submarine and the sub-rescue ship kind of become garbled. There were two really mangled messages that came from the submarine, mm-hmm. like you know, like you, only a couple words were legible one of which maybe said that the Thresher had exceeded test depth. Then they heard what sounded like ballast tanks blowing and then one high-pitched noise, which everyone can guess what that is. So they think that it just it went too deep. Yes. So basically, they never really... So this was actually part of the reason that um, Ballard was sent to find these two wrecks mm. is because they actually still don't really know what caused these problems. Because what happened with the Thresher, right, is it's descending, normal, 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 and then the captain of the Thresher radios up, and he's like, we got a problem, and he's blowing ballast tanks. And so that is basically a way to, like, shoot yourself up to the surface, right? Right. And you're not really supposed to do that that far down. Just like with the Titan, you actually control it with, like, propulsion, right? So, like, Mm. you can either, you know, you can basically adjust depth from there. Right, right. Ballast tanks will, like, shoot you up to the surface. Like crazy, like, Like, And so they wouldn't have done that that far down unless there was a pretty big fucking emergency, right? Mm. Unfortunately, what happened is they ended up just sinking much faster. So sort of the opposite of what you would want to happen. Mm. So they blow the ballast tanks and they actually are just like shooting downwards really quickly. Oops. Yeah, you really Maybe don't want Maybe they were upside down and they didn't realize. Well, I think it was just like the sub was like uneven. Like it was like the nose yeah, was going so up and the, like, yeah, it yeah. was just kind of rocking around. So the crazy thing is, is what the people experiencing on board must have been insane, right? 
I mean, we don't know. I mean, it was there was they they thought there's been several like theories put forth as to why this happened. One of them is that there was, you know, this this one line was loose and it basically started flooding and you know, try shooting water in there really quickly. There's now some indications that it might have been something else that caused it. Nevertheless, there was probably flooding of some kind. And with that, like, you know, electronic systems going off, probably fires starting. And at the same time, they're descending really quickly. And, you know, you imagine you're a submariner, submariner in here, and there's all of a sudden you're very far down in the ocean, like, like 800 feet down there, and there's water shooting Oof. in the sub. And all that you can hear is the outside of the submarine. It's just the metal is groaning under the pressure. The pipes in the submarine are groaning under the pressure. So there's these horrible banshee-like streaking noises that are coming from all around you. Like you're living inside of like – inside of a banshee's throat. You know, it's this, it's this horrible noise of hell that's all around you. Meanwhile – the pressure in the submarine is rising rapidly because you're descending really, really quickly. In fact, much too quickly to be safe. So at the same time, you're getting the bends, which is just because of the the rapid change in pressure. Your these bubbles are forming in your blood, and so everything becomes really painful. So your last moments are spent inside of this like sealed metal tube groaning metal, like screaming at this point all around you. There's fires inside, so you're burning hot and at the same time being sprayed with like tremendously powerful jets of water, probably to the point where you're being very badly physically injured by that, and your blood is essentially exploding. Uh, and then there was an uh, implosion, and the, that was the high-pitched noise that the sub-rescue ship heard, and the thresher was later found to be in six different pieces at the bottom. This actually led to a revamping of sub-safety practices, but not in time for the USS Scorpion, which was a different nuclear attack submarine that was lost in 1968 with all hands, and that was lost because, of course, also kind of made badly. I think the submarine crew was not super well-trained, and they might have had a malfunction torpedo that actually launched and then hit, hit the sub itself. Um, but that was lost with all hands in 1968. And so these are the things that Robert Ballard was actually supposed to go look for. And instead, at the tail end of that journey, he found the Titanic. So not that many people have actually seen the Titanic. No. Do you? I mean, I'm going to be real. We were like, don't care. Doing a lot of reading about all this. I don't really get the whole obsession. Like, there's a lot of people in this story who purportedly have obsessions with the Titanic. Yeah. I don't really get it. Like, even I know that James Cameron has already has said a bunch of, like, you know, he's made a movie about it. He went to it on Deep Sea Challenger. He found famously. out about 9-11. Or 9-11 happened while he was down there. Which is, that's so crazy, by the way, mm -hmm. to be like, dude, you guys are just at the Titanic. And they're like, we can't talk about that now. Something terrible. <laughs> yeah, you saw the footage from it? <laughs> no, I haven't. There's really funny footage of him being told about 9-11 after <laughs> emerging from the sub. What's this thing that's going on? The worst terrorist attack in, in history, Jim. We all were... Very wrapped up in what we were doing, and we all thought it was desperately important. Two separate hijacked commercial jets. But I gotta say, like, I just don't understand the idea of someone being so consumed by this, like, or haunted by the wreck of this ship underwater that they would, yeah, find themselves down there. 
I, I don't really 12, get it. 12,000 feet under the sea. I mean, I think maybe because it's like the combination of the fact that it was like, you know, this terrible accident, that it was like a really tr- tragic, you know, uh, mass casualty event. A bunch of children died. And it was like, I think in a weird way, I think it's similar impulses that lead people to want to go see it than that leads me and basically everybody else to be so fascinated with the story of these submersible passengers who died trying to find it. Mm. Because at, at its core, the, the story of the Titanic is a story of excruciating, terrible, ter- terrible, terrifying and terrible mass death in a really extraordinary way, right? To go from being like, you know, a, some a, a, a co-owner of Macy's department store to uh, likely freezing to death um as in a sort of silent an ocean that's completely silent except for some you know smoldering wreckage and the cries of other people also freezing to death uh, is really a, is is both a terrifying but I think a weirdly like uh, captivating it's, it's captivating it's you know mm-hmm. there's, I think it's a morbid curiosity but I also think it's like the romance and the glamour sure. of, of this there's a uh, that David Pogue um, was a CBS journalist who mm-hmm. made a uh, you know a short CBS segment uh, and then a later two part podcast on the Titan, interviews this one woman, and he she's, like, yeah. obsessed with the Titanic. Yeah. It's, like, weeping because her trip got canceled, which I get. You know, it's frustrating to have happen. But I mean, no one likes a cancellation, but... I, I mean, are you... Are, do you care? I mean, you like no. the Titanic, but, like, do you no. have any, like... I, I honestly don't get it. I mean, I, I think that... I don't know. I think that there's a certain type of person that is, and we, you know, maybe we talk about this further along in the episode when we talk about some of the people that were on board this thing. But, um, you know, there's a certain type of person that does not accept limits. Yeah. Right? I mean, you see these kind of like billionaire explorer types that, um, you know, do these sort of like Iron Man, insane Iron Man competitions yeah. and push their bodies to these insane limits and, you know, get these crazy injuries. Or, you know, someone like Richard Branson, who we're going to talk about, you know, who, you know, I'm going to go to space, I'm going to go to Mars, I'm going to go yeah. visit the bottom of every ocean. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like nonsense craziness. These, you know, there's this certain kind of type. And I think that, you know, we talk about, you know, these people on this ship who were all very, very wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're, they're sort of, you know, in their line of business, they don't see limits to their profits. And I think they don't see limits to them. You know, these are the types of people that don't, that have an insane fear, uh, uh, fear of dying in a way yeah. that, yes. you know, there's that kind of like bourgeois obsession with death yeah. and overcoming death. Yeah. And not accepting kind of, it's not acceptance of limits or just a kind of like, I think I like to say like an appropriate fear or yeah. like a, a respect for reality. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, I don't know if, like, I, I, I'm torn because on the one hand, I do really think like we should push ourselves to like go further and deeper. Absolutely, and, and, yes, yeah. you know, there's a way to do that um, that isn't in this fucking rinky-dink tube that these guys found, you know, imploded on the bottom of the ocean. Well, I think I think you raise a good point there because uh, I mean, first of all, these guys aren't explorers, right? I mean, the, the they're ship, tourists. They're, they're tourists. The ship, yes. the, the trip down to the Titanic, 
has been happening for a long time. James Cameron has been down there literally dozens well, of times. Well, yeah, Deep Sea Challenger is De- very different. Exactly. Yeah, That's but the like, ship he took. But people have been or down the there a bunch. Right, you know what I mean? It's not like they're like breaking, it's not, they're not exactly like breaking new ground in terms right. of like, we're right. going to a place no one's ever been before. Right. Um, they're doing a, what's essentially really dangerous tourism, which, you know, I'm not going to, I'm. It's that's if people want to do that with their money, whatever, you know what I mean? But I do think that like that does speak to a certain impulse where I think most people and 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 well, maybe we can discuss this a little more too when we talk about some of the reactions to this stuff, but I think most people sort of look at this and like he spent $250,000 on like being in this trapped in this mm. cramped 5-foot death trap instead of like I mean $250,000 first of all you could buy a house in many places, but like I don't even know what I could, what kind of vacation I could take with that, but I could take a very, 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 very long and very, very, very nice one with that. But that's what I'm saying. It's like they're chasing after something to prove that they can conquer and dominate something that, by the way, they just proved they can't. Yeah. But it's something inside that says, and I, you know, I really do think that it is, there is that kind of like, it, it's like a very, it's almost like a cliche, right? That yeah. like bourgeois obsession where it is, you know, I can, you know, you see these are the, these are the types of like biohackers who yeah. say like, you know, I'm not going to, like aging is a disease as mm-hmm. opposed to just a, a natural sort of course of life and kind of the flip side of living, right, is, is dying. Um, and I, I think that it's this like, I don't accept limits on the expansion and, and reach of my profits and my business. I don't accept the limitations of my own life and my and of yeah, this world. Yeah, yeah, and, and I it, really, you know, I I think it's a really. It makes me feel really queasy when I think about it. it yeah. it's, it's like out of sync with, with the world. It doesn't feel respectful, and it doesn't feel. Um, I mean, this sounds really hippie, but it doesn't sound. It doesn't feel in harmony. Here's my thing. Listen. There's a few things you don't want to fuck with, right? Outer space, mm. and you don't want to fuck with the bottom of the ocean. Those are kind of the same thing. Yeah. And, like, there's a reason that, like, would you look at the fucking, look at a picture of the Titan. Would you go to space in that or the equivalent? <laughs> Absolutely you would not. <laughs> and so I don't know why these fucking people thought going to the bottom of the ocean in that would be a good idea. And listen— you know, I understand. I, I am I am almost sympathetic to the to the feeling that these people have of like I need that rush adventure. You know, I, I I have been prone to that in my life myself. But the thing is, these guys aren't like you're a passenger. And I what I don't like and what freaks me out personally is in the, it's the same thing with airplanes and helicopters. Any of these things where like you don't you aren't in full control of the situation, especially if you're not driving. Right, being a passenger in one of these things is that any number of a minor accidents or mishaps or, or, you know, a waylaid bolt or something like that, a loose something could result in a catastrophic death for you. Mm. To me, that is just like that being so far out of my control. I don't, I don't dig that. I will do something dangerous if I can be, have some kind of choice making capabilities Mm. within that situation. But where that's, that's, you don't have those choices and like you're putting that fully in somebody else's hands and more importantly into the hands of very unforgiving nature, then that is just, I mean, it's, that is unfathomable. And there is genuinely no pun intended on that for me. I don't like boats in general. I, I well, that we're, we. This very is why I never go on a boat party because very, no exit strategy. We've got no exit plan. Because we met on a yacht. You can't. In Miami. You can't. You got to just wait for that boat to dock. You're you stuck there for like four literally hours. Literally hired me to serve 
hors d'oeuvres at a fucking yacht party you had. That's how we met. All right, let's talk a little bit more about this thing, the Titan. And to do that, I think the easiest way is to actually talk about some of the people. Well, it's not some of the people, all the people. <laughs> all the people. There's only five of them that were on this fucking thing. Um, the news, the little newspapers have taken to calling them the Titan Five. I've also seen the Titanic Five, which feels inappropriate. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's inappropriate. These are the guys. Stockton Rush, who was the CEO of Oceangate, the company that owned the Titan. P. at H. Paul Henri. Mm-hmm. Nargolette? Well, no, I'm letting you deal with this. How, do you, how are you going to say it? <laughs> that's not, no, that's not Nar- it. I'm going to say Narjolet. Yeah, Narjolet. P. H. Narjolet. Fucking Wes Anderson ass. French explorer. Pussy Hunter Nargelet. I actually kind of like this guy. AKA, me too. His name, he's also known as Mr. Titanic, which I got to say, that sounds, it's a little like Castro San Francisco nickname sounding. Mr. Titanic? It's You think it's a gay nickname that is a reference to the size of his massive penis? Is no, what I you're saying, Liz? I didn't even go that See, far. Here's the it thing, sounds people, like, uh, no, you know what I was thinking more? It's like Beach Blanket Babylon. Yeah, okay. Which I got to be honest It's like with you. Beach Blake and Babylon featuring Mr. Titanic, played by P.H. Nargelet. I had fond memories of Beach Blanket Babylon as a kid. Saw it as an adult. I don't remember. If you saw it as a kid, I know. It was like three years ago, you know, two or they, four years ago. A lot of wigs in that show. A lot of wigs um, in that show. Hamish Harding, who is known as a British explorer. I'm like, not, you don't all get to be explorers. Explorers aren't real anymore. Hamish is, does fit that mold a little more than the other guy. I think not Hamish is more of a like... You know, he's like also like, you know, doing one of the big yacht races. Yeah, yeah, he's that yeah. guy. He went to space. Well, we'll get to him. Um, Shazada Dawood, mm-hmm. the Pakistani, a Pakistani billionaire, and then his 19-year-old son Suleiman Dawood. Yeah. Um, so those are the five. They, uh, you know, spoiler alert. They are. Di- they, they yeah, are they died. They are perished at the bottom of the ocean. Um, let's start with Stockton. This guy. Because it's really his fault that all this happened. So something that I was fascinated to find, well, big San Francisco connection here. Mm, Yeah, he grew up in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. and I didn't find out where. Um, Not Stockton Street. No, he grew up very, very wealthy in San Francisco. Um, There's a funny, an interesting profile on him from a couple years ago in Fast Company where he's described as more Musk than Cousteau. Not hmm. something. If you are a true and on listener, that is a good. That is not, not, not a, a good, good omen. Not a good omen. No. So this kid, this guy, when he was a kid, he really wanted to be an astronaut, which is sort of like, all right, buddy, get in line. Yeah. Okay. You're a kid. Me too. Whatever. Yeah. But he like literally wanted to be an astronaut, and I think this is like such a wealthy kid that he thought that that was like maybe a possible road for him. So when I was a kid, I also wanted to be an astronaut because my dad's favorite movie was The Right Stuff, and mm. so I saw it several times. But in the process of being a child and discovering the world, I discovered two things. One, that to be an astronaut, you had to be very good at math. Yes. And two, that I had a uh, what was later diagnosed as a severe learning disability mm. with like a sort of uh, emphasis on the severe by a very concerned woman in my 20s uh, who did a test on me. And that was uh, mathematics related. And so Wait, were you still holding on to the astronaut thing in your 20s? No, but I was just like, I was so bad at math my whole life that oh, I was you like. You were like, oh. oh, now it makes sense that I can't be an astronaut. Yes. I yeah, see, yeah, I see, yeah, I see. Yeah. My grandfather really wanted to be an astronaut. Like uh-huh. studied so hard and was like, he was amazing at physics, at science, at math, at everything. Uh-huh. And he was too tall. He was too, oh, go humble brag. No, he, yeah, he couldn't, you have to be very small. Really? To fit in the rocket ship. (laughs) So like. But he became a pilot and he was also like almost too tall to be a pilot. 
Yeah, yeah. This was this was um, shot down guy. No, no. But you you also can't be very tall when you're a yeah, pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, Stockton Resch, this guy. So yeah, he didn't really figure out he was going to be an astronaut until he was 44, which I think that seems very late. Much later than in your twenties, I'll I'll give you that. I'm trying to think of like right now at 33, if I was like telling people, <laughs> I'm going like, to be an astronaut. Yeah, I think I might be an astronaut, like at some point. <laughs> like, yeah, you're super. You're fucking mad beautiful. But you just say you do. You go the Lance Bass route. Ball. Thing? Oh no, that's Lance Armstrong. Lance <laughs> Bass. I met Lance Bass. Yes. I cosmonaut. Like that. Cosmonaut. True. But did it actually happen? I feel like he didn't go very far up yes, in there. But yeah. he did make it a national story. He did make story. it. He, yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay, I make jokes. But Stockton Rush, he was a pilot. I mean, he studied aerospace engineering at Princeton. He worked on F-15s. Like, he was like, I'm going to go to Mars, blah, 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 blah. However, at some point, he also got his MBA. And I'm like, you can't be that serious you about can't being be a that pilot. You got astronaut. the backup MBA. Backup MBA at Berkeley? Come yeah. on, man. So he... It, basically abandons his dream of going to space uh-huh. and just looks down in the ground and is like, wait, I'll just go to the ocean. Wait, we have our spa- we have space at home. Yeah. He's quoted as saying the future of mankind is underwater, which is not something <laughs> you want to be quoted as saying when you, in fact, uh, die underwater. Atlantis guy, like, trying to talk to the rest of the world on land in, like, 4,000 years ago. <laughs> so... Mr. Rush says that he got the idea to launch Ocean Gate when Richard Branson announced Virgin Galactic in 2004. Do you remember? I mean, we covered some of this a little bit when we did our Elon series, but there was that big rush. No pun in, No, I'm not trying to make a link there. But there was a big like gold rush in this idea of like extreme exploration companies. Yes, yes, yes in the yeah. 2000s. They're like, oh, we can just have you know, everyone wants to go to space. You could just take a Boeing jet to space. Well, I I remember this because I remember I. I, I love space. I don't love space in the way that I would I I want to learn too. about it and, yeah. like, will know about how physics works and things like that. But I really liked reading Robert Heinlein and, like, Philip K. Dick books mm. as a kid. And so that I – lo- I guess I loved science fiction from many years before I was born as a child is what I'm saying. But I'm fascinated by space. And I remember when they first sort of started mentioning space tourism was going to be a thing. Like, when the Lance Bass thing happened, I was like, wow, maybe someday I'll go to space. And – um then uh, then I realized that that was not uh, feasible yeah. for someone of my means. So this guy, Stockton Rush, he starts his company with just inherited money. Yes. I mean, he's so rich <laughs> that, like, I've been to multiple, like, places in San Francisco that are named after his family. Yes. Like he's his, very, very like, wealthy. Like, I've been to both a symphony hall, like, the, symf- the, the, the orchestra Paul yes. or whatever in San Francisco. San Francisco Symphony. The San Francisco Symphony. Their building is named after his like grandfather, great grandfather. Mm-hmm. And I've also used to get prescribed Adderall when I was twenty at a hospital building named for one of his family members as well. Jesus. Yeah. The Mark Zuckerberg. No. Chan. That's where I what got. That's where they. That's where they pop my mouth abscess. In there. Oh my god. It's pus coming out of my mouth for. Literally three days. Okay, so he launches Ocean Gate in 2009. He's like, we're entering the adventure travel market. He says that this whole market is worth $275 billion a year, which I think is definitely something you would say if your company is part of that travel market. That seems a little high It's worth to me. that? I don't think that's um, true. 
He says, I want to change the way humanity regards the deep ocean, which, again, is not something I think you want to be on record as saying after. I do think he did accomplish that. There is, there is, yes. I, I think, think he that, has changed the way that we regard the deep ocean. Any goodwill that the new Little Mermaid brought the deep ocean has been annihilated by the dissolving of five bodies in a catastrophic implosion. Yeah. So his idea is simple. He's like, we're going to launch crude submersibles into the ocean at insanely dangerous depths, namely 13,000 feet below the ocean surface. Um, There's this old article kind of mapping a little bit more of this company because a lot of this info has been scrubbed, I'll say. Uh So OceanGate originally started out as a company simply by just chartering private submarines. Now, remember... In 2009, 2008, 2009, this is like, we're going to Uber everything. Yeah. Imagine, you could, we're just going to charter helicopters. This is my new company. Boom, I have a company. Oh, we're going to charter airplanes. Oh, boom, this is my new company. Yeah. And this guy's like, I'm, oh, we'll just, we're going to do Uber, but for people who want to be Steve Zissou. Yeah, yeah. Um, not a big market. Not a huge market. He had, he starts off with this five-seater submarine that he bought off some guy that was yellow, which apparently mm. everyone involved hated for the obvious I reasons. I like yellow. It's, like, it's <laughs> classic. It's like a yellow—I mean, I don't—I actually hate the Beatles' yellow submarine almost more than any other It's horrifying. Song. It's one of the worst. And that's, honestly, one of the reasons I don't like the Beatles mm. is because—I don't like—yeah, we'll get into that maybe another time. Um, I like that. It's, it's charming to have a yellow submarine, though. Well, it has been described— by more than one person as having um, a steampunk air. Mm. I'm just trying to give a little You've visual. Kind of been, yeah. I guess it had a bunch of like colorful knobs and and um, a diver's helmet in yeah. there, like an old diver's probably, helmet. Probably like probably like some old kelp hanging. Yeah, and yeah, a yeah, yeah. Crazy. Or Everything's like this crazy like al- altimeter or whatever, and like, like a shrunken head. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's not steampunk, but I'll, I like where you're going. With okay. It. Well, apparently he charted it out to some oil rig companies, which is really what he was going after with this market, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, oil companies are always like trying to get deep down in there, look at environmental impact, looking for more places to find oil. That's yeah. where you would go after. Who else yeah. would be chartering a fucking submarine, right? It doesn't make any sense. So he did some dives for some tourists. It would just be like a thousand feet off Catalina, like, you know, little wine moms, whatever. And they'd be like looking at, you know, little fishies and jellyfish, and that was it. Makes sense. Like how Ghislaine Maxwell got Stephen Hawking in a submarine for the first time off the little St. James, which she did. There's a photograph of it. I forgot about that. Yeah. That was crazy. Weird. Right? Yeah. Weird. That's a whole weird thing. And he's horny. But all this is to say that the Titanic shit just came later. Yeah. Like, that was never part of the original company. The Ocean Gate No, board. the whole idea was like, I'm going to create a private company that can charter submarines for oil, big oil companies mm-hmm. and make a lot of money, be, like, doing it that way because otherwise you got to go through all of this, like, annoying regulation. You got to go through the Coast Guard. You got to do all this. Why do that when well, we can just Uber it? Yeah, yeah. That's the basis yeah. of this fucking company, right? So we should talk about Titan, the submersible. The first version of this thing was called Cyclops 1. And the reason is is because it has a, one big porthole mm-hmm. that is like a big eye. Yeah. Makes sense. A glaring sphincter. What, what would you call the shape of this thing? I would say, well, it's the, it's the shape of a sub, right? You know, they're all kind of shaped like in that 
bullet sort of way where they're yeah it's like a big bullet it's not as tapered as like a like a nuclear sub or whatever it's not it's not the most aerodynamic sub I've ever seen but I think like smaller submersibles from what I understand usually kind of have that like like if a if a like nuclear sub if like the Thresher is or whatever like the Kursk is like a five five six round like a long sort of skinnier one the submersibles tend to be like a like a a thirty eight caliber or whatever like a thirty eight special like short and fat. You know, mm-hmm. like they're sort of they're sort of wider. Yeah, rather they're than like, like little bulldogs. They're, yeah, they're 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 bulldog. They're like the French bulldog of the submersible class. Yes, yes, with the sort of abbreviated nose that French bulldogs have. Yeah, I mean and the, the thing is breathing. like it's like twenty feet long. It is not big. Not big. Not big. Actually, that's pretty big. Some girls think, but okay. Whatever. So the first version of this, they they worked with University of Washington and Boeing on it. Both of those, in, like both the University of Washington and Boeing, have come forward and been like, we had nothing to do with Titan. Please leave our names out of this. Yeah. So take that for what it's worth. Um, it really, they basically just bought an old submersible and retrofitted to make this thing. They added these four little uh, like electric thrusters. We talked about that. That's kind of like, you know, maneuver get it, it. You can go maneuver up, it down, around. Go around. Yeah. They control that with, and much hay has been made of this, with a Sony PlayStation controller. So... Let me explain to let me let, frankly let me mansplain to you a little bit here. Uh, okay. People use game controllers in all sorts of ways. Twitch streamers make a lot of money using it. It's a real job. No, but they they for some reason and I don't actually I can't really mansplain this cuz I don't know any technical details about it. I just know this is true from my own research both in that uh, uh the uh cop episode we did about robot cops mm. but also from seeing old videos uh like from like the beginning of the Syrian civil war. People use uh like game controllers for military purposes yeah. frequently, right? There's, yeah. a, there's an Israeli tank that is driven by basically like a, an Xbox controller. Yeah. There's like uh, – there's machine guns on the um, Israel uh, – like that wall they have that Israel has to uh, keep the Palestinians in like an open-air prison. Mm. They have machine guns that have game controllers they use. Yeah, most of that is because they're really intuitive. Yeah, yeah. And – because every dumb shit kid knows how to use one. <laughs> the thing with the thing with the thing with the Titan though is they didn't even use they used a Logitech off-brand controller, which I think is mm. the really funny thing about that. Like <laughs> because that the implica- the reason I think that like because I think everybody who saw that thinks it's funny in a way, like in a weird way. The funny thing about it to me is the fact that like it belies a certain level of thought or carelessness. Yes. Either of which is funny. It's very funny to to be like, we got to save the 40 bucks mm-hmm. or whatever the price difference is to not go name brand I, on I it. Think, I think it's probably like 10 bucks price difference. Oh, my God. Like getting well, there's one. a lot of uh, corners that were cut, as uh-huh. we'll get into. So that was the first version. The second version, Cyclops 2, which is what becomes the Titan, is really where they're kind of designing it themselves. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is the first submersible with a hull made from car- carbon fiber and glass, okay? So it's seven inches of razor-thin carbon fiber reinforced plastic. So— just from my own self here, mm. speaking for myself, I don't want to be on a submersible that's trying something new. <laughs> you know, like that's like I don't think that's a good idea. Like if someone's like, hey, yes. we have a new kind of airplane. No one's ever built anything like it. Do you want to go yeah. on it? I would say no. No. You know, I'm like, I, you know what? Keep me on the thing that they've been doing since like the Civil War. Well, yeah. Flip side of that is I don't want to be on a plane that's like 60 years old. 
No, I don't. I want to be on a plane that's fifteen years old, ten years, ten years old. Yeah, ten years old. Ten years, but still got a lot of life. Still left. got a lot of life, and you know what? It's got some character. And everyone knows how to fix it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Nothing proprietary. There's nothing proprietary. I don't want to be in a proprietary submarine. No, and a bespoke submarine either. Which is to say that these things are usually made of steel. Yes. Not yeah. carbon fiber. Not carbon fiber. Reinforced plastic. That's the same material that forms the wings of the 747, which is kind of interesting. Uh-huh. But it's not actually ever used. It's really, really rare for it to ever be used in any kind of deep sea situation. Yeah. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll talk about uh, being exploded by the pressures of the sea later or imploded and exploded by the pressure of the sea later. But, yeah. like, I want something that's, like, steel sounds really good mm. to me. Steel Ti- sounds great. Titanium. I know there's some titanium on this, but, like, yeah. titanium. I really like the way that sounds. Carbon fiber plastic is not just <laughs> – that just doesn't sound really like something that can withstand a lot of pressure. Yeah, and the rest of – I got to say the rest of it doesn't sound great either. One engineer described all of the other parts of the submersible as being, quote, off the shelf – not something you want to hear. This is. Uh, this also includes parts that the CEO himself described as coming from a camping store. Yes, there's the, the in the in the in the Pogue uh, interview. In the, he's 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 filming this guy and he's sort of stocked in rush and he's sort of bragging. It's like, yeah, we just got some of these parts from like uh, like an RV store. Yeah, and it's like, oh, well, that's not. Do you really want to say that in the camera? That's also there's a hubris in that too. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is truly a tale of hubris. Yes. Now, the carbon fiber composite of this thing, it was made by this company called Spencer Composites. They had previously designed a single-seat personal submarine called Deep Flight Challenger, which I'm just going to say I don't like the idea of any sort of vessel having the word Challenger in it. I think it's just like a no Fully agreed. It's a, it's a, it's that, that name should have been vetoed with the famous Challenger. How about this? Call it the agreement. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the 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 gentle agreement. Or, or just like deep sea friend. Yeah, the friendly wave. That's yeah. even got a, kind of a double I thing going on great. there. Yeah. So that company, Deep Flight Challenger, it was bought by Richard Branson, who I fucking hate, I had to say. I think I he's really, really, really cool. hate this guy. I think he's fucking cool. Oh, shut cool. up. No, you, you would don't. say that, Virgin. <laughs> Virgin. <laughs> That's such a good one. Me and Branson are at the club. Calling people virgins. Getting is some so strings. <laughs> it's so funny. You're a virgin. <laughs> You're a virgin who can't drive. Okay, well, Shout out we to don't, the girls. Uh, let's not get um, too real here. Okay, so Richard Branson, he had this whole thing that he was like, I'm going to do these single-person dives to all five ocean floors. The man's a moron. Shut the fuck he up. He was like, I'm going to go 36,000 feet underwater, which is the lowest point on Earth. Like, I'm going to, like, knock on Earth's door, basically. <laughs> go down on Earth's door? Yeah, go down to hell. You guys got any core in there? <laughs> yeah. Come on out. Um, it turns out he had to like shelve the whole thing because they found that basically this carbon fiber composite, it would start to break down from the pressure after just one dive. Yes. So it could not, it was like suitable this, for the one time. Yeah, yeah. But, but after, but the subsequent ones, they were like, oh, oh this isn't going to work. You don't want a disposable one-man sub. And, <laughs> no. and that, that tracks with what we know about the Titan because it had frequently sort of been um, – Having to be retrofitted, yes, and re-repaired and things like this, and, and worked on quite a bit. Yeah, and the thing is, Ocean Gate, the company, was like totally aware of all of these limitations. There were at least two former employees that voiced concern about the safety of this fucking thing. 
there was one guy, David Lockridge, who, I mean, he claimed in a court suit that there's basically no testing done to make sure that the hole was, like, sound enough to handle the the dives that they were doing. Um, Specifically, like, I guess it's, like, the type of glue that they were using, like, wasn't holding because of the thickness of the thing. Yeah. And then there was another employee that spoke to CNN anonymously, and they said that they had voiced concern because the hole showed up and it was five inches thick as opposed to the seven inches thick, which is what they had designed it to be, which is like, that's a fucking huge difference. Yeah. That's two inches, dude. Yeah. Which actually is not, okay, like, there's on. not really a big difference between seven inches and five inches, but like, yeah, it's basically the same thing. There's like other people who said the company would basically dismiss, there's, you know, any kind of contractor that would voice concerns, yeah. they, the, the company would be like, shut up, go away, don't say it. There was like employees that would go to Stockton himself and be like, look, we think that OceanGate is like potentially violating the U.S. law because you're not having the Coast Guard do routine inspections. Like all of the kind of shit that you want to be <laughs> being done on a yes. submarine or submersible. I mean it's crazy. Listen, I am I don't think I don't think people should pay taxes, right? Mm. I think most laws are kind of goofy. But one thing that I'm very much pro is like like safety inspections of things that That's can very kill gentle you. of you. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. like that's so sick that sometimes they like there's a guy at the airport looking at the plane. Mm. You know, not always, but sometimes yeah. that guy's there. I do you know think what I'm going to say too. I don't think we got enough. I think we could up them. We could up them? I think we could up them. The odds are pretty good. After seeing this thing implode, I think we could up them. Yeah, yeah. Well, the airplane is more terror, too, because you're going down. Yeah. And you get that fear and that sort of – yeah, anyways. Um, But – it's they they sort of they there was there was a, a titanic amount of hubris here mm. because they were just like we don't need these inspectors we don't need these regulations and in fact they were very much they were vocal about the fact that basically people were on their nuts about their submarine maybe uh, being unsafe yeah and like Rush himself I mean the man is a one he was a one man quote machine the shit that would come out of this man's mouth in the press. <laughs> It's crazy. You should start a podcast. It's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, insane. The podcast that you sent, I mean, it is baffling, the stuff that comes out of his mouth. I mean, listen to this. I'd like to be remembered as an innovator. Um, I think it was General MacArthur said, you're remembered for the rules you break. And, you know, I've broken some rules to make this. I think I've broken them with, with logic and good engineering behind me, the carbon fiber and titanium. There's a rule you don't do that. Well, I did. And he would complain in the press about industry regulations, which is a classic tech guy move. I mean, so much of this shit reminds me of early Tesla Elon yeah, shit. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. But, you know, in 2019, he's he quoted as saying, it's obscenely safe because there are— you know, there are all these regulations, but it also hasn't innovated or grown because there are all these regulations. I mean, it's just classic break stuff, you know, worry about it later move guy. Fast, move fast, break stuff. Totally. Which is just like, I get that if you're like, we need to make an app that makes people have doggy ears or whatever. But there's a difference between that and submerging very deep in the ocean where the immense pressures could literally boil your blood. Yes. And, and explode your body. And it has. I mean, the the reason that, like, the private submersible industry, such as it is, doesn't actually exist is because this shit is fucking dangerous. Yeah, very dangerous. And, like, there's so many industrial accidents in submarine work. It's crazy dangerous. Diving is crazy dangerous. There's a reason why they send ROVs down there instead of fucking manned vehicles. Yeah, yeah. They basically send drones down because it's yeah. much, 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 much safer. Yes. And because of that, 
all of like submersibles and underwater vehicles, whatever you want to call them, like have to be classed, right? Yeah. In order, uh, in terms of like safety. Yeah. And Ocean Gate's Titan wasn't classed at all, and they f- like f- like flaunted that. Basically, you know, they're like, oh, by definition, innovation is outside of an already accepted system. However, this does not mean OceanGate does not meet standards where they apply. It does mean that innovation often falls outside the existing industry paradigm. I mean, that was that was one of their big their big reasons why, like, you know, if you if you think of like any you know small submersible that you may have seen pictures of, where there's this like giant bank of controls. I mean, if you look at the interior of the Titan, it is literally just like two computer monitors and a fucking controller. I mean, the thing's gotten lost before. I mean, David Pogue, when uh, you know he he when when the this whole kerfluffle was happening. Mm. He says that uh, the ship got lost, or the Titan was lost briefly for like several hours when he was on the uh, on the mothership, and that the crew cut the internet so that people couldn't complain. But the ship it got lost down there, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's forced to communicate with the the surface, basically in order to navigate, even basically. Um, and you know, there's there's all these other stories in the podcast of like people going down there in the submersible and they can't find the Titanic. Yeah, and like they're being given directions from the mothership and interpreting them wrong, <laughs> like they're going the wrong direction after oh be, like, misinterpreting directions. That would, like, I'm sorry if I'm on the sub with you and you're being told to move east 250 meters or whatever, and you move west 250 meters, I'm going to strangle you and take control. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to mutiny on that because you don't know east from west. Because here's the other thing. Down at the bottom there, your fucking compass doesn't work. Yeah. They go crazy. And you're they all start turned spinning. Around. You're all turned around. So I would want a big bank of, of glowing knobs and controls. Even if they didn't do anything, it would just make me feel better. Well, you don't got that. You got a, you know, prime day sale Logitech controller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they continually compared their company to SpaceX, which I got to say, I mean, you know, to their credit, SpaceX is also a company that is famous for having their vessels blow up. In the ocean, too. And, you know, it does look like OceanGate was using Starlink for communications, (laughs) which is very, I mean, I hate to say it, that is very funny. uh, I I hate to say it, apparently they weren't using that to communicate with the sub itself, but it is very funny because... I mean, certainly they didn't call in anything for many hours, although you don't need Starlink to call in anything from a ship, but it is very funny. So Rush first sets the price of Ocean Gate's Titanic dive at $105,129. Why is that, Liz? That is the inflation-adjusted price of a first-class ticket on the Titanic in 1912. That's so fucking Reddit, I want to blow my brains out. If only they had gotten here and prevented the Federal Reserve from from starting, then we wouldn't have inflation at all. <laughs> that ticket famously jumped to 250K in 2023. I don't believe that is because of inflation. <laughs> no, it was like two years ago that it was less than that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's gone up quite a bit. It was, it was one woman that was getting interviewed uh, on, the, on the Pogue thing, and she's like, yeah, when I first heard about this, I think they were making, taking reservations like before they started launching. He was, she was like, it was $40,000, and by the time I saved that up, it was like $60,000, and by the time I saved it up, it was $80,000. And it's like, Jesus. So they just kept raising the prices because they knew people would pay. Yeah. I mean, you know, they really like to play up the scientific angle of what they're doing as opposed to it just being kind of like adventure tourism. 
I don't really think it holds. I mean, they keep saying like, oh, we're doing missions. Oh, we're going down there to yeah. like study what's going on. There was a uh, curator at of maritime history at the Smithsonian's uh, National Museum of American History, this guy, Paul Johnston. And he was like, in my opinion, there's not much to be learned from Titanic that we don't already know. I got to agree with him. Yeah. It's like, what are you studying? Well, They're you, like, oh, we're seeing the rate of decay. It's like, I, mean, I think we already did that. We know, we know the rate of decay. They like know yeah. when it's going to be totally decayed. I get wanting to see it if you're like a, you know, an underwater person or whatever. Like a merman? Like, like the, like the French merman. Explorer or whatever. You know, he was a Titanic expert. Merman, but like, dead. yeah, if you want to see a merman too, which those are... I got some college. But you can't touch anything. You can't take anything. You can't take anything. And it's I'm a sorry. UNESCO site, you I'm know? T- which is bullshit. Why? Let me take it. No, you can't. It's, it's a heritage so hard site. to get down there that if you get down there, you should be able to take one thing. I have a question. Thing. Who? You know a little bit about maritime law. Uh, yes, I do. Um, yeah. That is in international waters, correct? Yeah. Does international – when it's so deep, does it become international too? Like how does that work? No, does it's it go all the way down? Yeah, it goes all the way down. Okay. It's, yeah. I'm just Wait, curious. so you th- – hold on. Let me take this I don't know. I was just wondering. So like – But it is in international waters, it right? It is in international – So I it's jointly so, – yeah. it's probably jointly – It's like a UN-administered thing. UNESCO would make sense, yeah. Like international I'm just wondering waters. who's going to handle some of these insurance claims. Oh, well and that – And I think it's going to be both is, the U.S. and specifically maritime Canada? insurance – and so that'll probably be handled through. I mean, I would. It would be funny to see if the vessel was like. Well, actually, I don't know because they're on. They're like contracting with this vessel, so I don't know. But like whoever the vessel that actually took them there, mm-hmm. the Polar Princess, Prince, Prince, excuse me, which was by flagged. the way, yeah, it's fine. It's yes, it's twenty twenty three, Liz. Oh. Got yes, um, but. Uh, I don't know, but they're going to get sued at the ass. In, the maritime insurance is a has a long and storied history in both the crown colonies and the you know the UK itself, which is maybe it's if it's chartered out of there, and the US. And mm. so they're they're getting sued, Yo, badly. Yeah. No matter what waivers they they're, sign, yeah. No matter what, those, those is, don't hold in the UK. Do not hold. Yeah, you can't just, sign just, away death. You, you're fucked. Yeah, basically. Yeah, these people are fucked. So Rush called the clients of his, I think colloquially, Titaniacs. Titaniacs? Titaniacs. Titaniacs. But he also called, like you mentioned, he didn't refer to them as tourists, but mission specialists. Yeah, mission specialists. Which that's not, look, I went to space camp and I, I think they also say, called very me space a, camp. a mission specialist. Very space camp. Yeah. But he was like, this isn't tourism. This is mission, you're a mission specialist. And like, there'd be like a, a you know, a, a few scientists on board the mothership, you know, going over the, I don't know, do, so doing some kind of studies. But like, really, this was tourism, plain and simple. Yes. And that is, you know, basically laid out with, the cast of characters that were on this thing. Although the first one does kind of fly in the face of that. Paul Henry Narjolet, Mr. Titanic. So this guy is, I mean, this is sort of a classic. I will be honest with you. Uh, all of these guys are kind of archetypes. Yeah. Well, most of them are archetypes. Yeah. But it is a little Wes Anderson y, I gotta say. It is a little Wes Anderson. I never saw that little movie. Not really my thing. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, a, he's a French oceanographer. Titanic expert. He's 77 years old, the punk age. Was. 
was 77 years old, spent 22 years in the French Navy before becoming an oceanographer. And actually, I mean, the guy, the sea was in his blood. He'd been diving since he was eight years old. Yeah, you look at this guy. He looks, he's a French naval man through and through. I mean, his his vibe goes hard. His vibe, it's good. It's good. The guy, I mean, he was also one of the first people to actually see the Titanic with his own two eyes. He was one, I, I think he even might have even been on the first submersible expedition down to the Titanic back in 1987. And the funny thing about this guy is he actually, he claims that he did not give a fuck about the Titanic before seeing it then. That he had basically been assigned by the French Navy to mm. go on this like, you know, basic civilian mission essentially to go like look at the Titanic. Um, and you know, I'm sure to do some tests or whatever, uh, plant a French flag down there. Uh, and he says that he was like, a, basically awed into silence for about 10 minutes just seeing this thing. I mean, it must've been a I pretty mean, it's incredible a huge sight. fucking ship. Huge fucking. Well, it was. Yeah. I mean, so this was a big deal in this guy's life and he becomes a real deal Titanic expert. You know, he is like James Cameron, one of these like Titanic goers, Right. You know, like James Cameron is like part of this like community of people who have been down there many times. He's actually beat James. He's gone down there 37 times as Nargelet. He's brought back things to the surface to study. And I think this is sweet. He at one point brought a watch of somebody up to the surface and then gave it to their daughter. I think that's illegal. Uh, is it illegal? No. I think you can do that. Salvage. Here's the thing about no, maritime law. it's a heritage law. site. You I know, but here's the thing that. about maritime law. And I, I disagree with the UN on this and many things. If it's down in the sea, it's for you or for me. Like, if it's – that's the thing. Like, nothing should be – The sea belongs to the people. The sea belongs to the people, right? And the things in the sea that once belonged to the people – the more be- people. Belong to anybody. Mm. I think that salvaging wrecks is one of the most noble things that a guy who lives off his wits in the Florida Keys can do. You're talking about pirates. Sort of like a Travis McGee pirates kind of thing, mm-hmm. yeah. But like, I think that you should be able to salvage from from wrecks with no repercussions whatsoever. Hey, d- don't wreck your ship if you don't want things taken from it. Is also what I say. Mm, interesting. Uh, he seems like, and this is something that all of his kind of friends and everybody was saying. Like, this is if you're going to be trapped in a submersible. This is before that it was confirmed that they had imploded. If you're be trapped in a submersible down at the bottom of the motherfucking ocean when the walls are closing in, the, 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 the carbon fiber is groaning, and people are having diarrhea in the little toilet in that thing, which we have to talk about. It's not a toilet. It's not a toilet. It's a box. We'll talk about that. Uh, this is a good guy to have down with you because yeah. he's, he's you know, a very calm guy. He's done this a million times. I do think it's uh, stupid of him to go down in this sub. Yeah. But... One thing, though, is that 77 years old, right? This guy's mm. life has basically been defined by the Titanic. This is the way you want to go out. Yeah. You know? This is kind of the way you want to go out. You there want was, to go out in a sub a- above the Titanic. There's a really lovely quote from him in this interview with the French paper where he says, I have received letters from people telling me that they're clairvoyant and that I was on the boat in 1912. Well, why not? I love that. Yeah. He seems like a very, very cool guy. He apparently, he accidentally discovered this this very famous ship called La Lune, which was the, a French ship that sank in 1641. It was uh, Louis XIV's famous big ship. And he had, Louis XIV famously like covered up the sinking of it because it was so embarrassing to the crown. He's like, oh, they actually just went off the side of the world? But it's this crazy, like, I mean, 1600s. Ship. Like I mean, a imagine galleon, it. You yeah, know? it's yeah. like this crazy, and it was—it's so French, La Lune. Like, can you imagine? Yes. And gilded and whatever. And this dude just like found it. 
accidentally. Wow. Does he get the treasure that was on it? I mean, I hope you so. should be able to get the treasure that's on it, especially if you're the first guy to find it. But I, I mean, I, I, you know, I will say, like, obviously, obviously, I find this, I found this whole saga to be, in some parts, amusing, mm. right? But it is like, if this guy's gonna die, this is kind of the place to do it. Mm. You know, like this is their version of like a Titanic submersible guy's warrior's death is to die in a submersible on the way down to the Titanic. Mm. You know, and it's a pain. Yeah, well, well, yeah. He was joined by some people who were maybe a little less illustrious in terms of their pedigrees uh, as they relate to the Titanic, but were themselves very much world travelers. So Shazada Dawood is a member of a very prominent and very, very wealthy Pakistani family. His father had been like a big businessman who'd navigated the fertilizer and oil trade. And really, the man's whole empire was built essentially on shit. I mean, fertilizer <laughs> is the Dawood family's, like, you know, it's their bread and their motherfucking butter, and it's the stuff they put on oh. their crops of money to make them grow. The guy is fabulously wealthy. Uh, you know, he's also, you know, not only in the fertilizer business, he's also in the Dawood business, meaning that he, you know, he helps manage all of their, you know, their, their uh, charitable acts. Of course, member of the WEF, which many people have pointed out to as the reason he died, which doesn't make sense to me because they also think that the WEF, I don't know. Uh, but he's also a member, and this ties into, I believe, our next episode coming out, member of SETI. He's on the <laughs> board of directors of SETI. That's very weird. It is very weird. Why is he down in the sea when he should be up in space? So I mean, for the this aliens. is, and again, it's funny because actually, if, if I examine all of these people individually, yeah, I actually feel some degree of sympathy for him. Uh, the guy yeah. was like a kind of a nerd, you know. He was he was an avid science fiction reader. That was the big thing that he bonded with his son about, and that's that struck to me because that's something I've, I bonded with my dad about science fiction, um, and uh, you know, specifically old old science fiction and. You know, it, I, I, I'm sure that he just wanted to, like, see this crazy fucking thing, right? Yeah. You know? He sort of dragged his 19-year-old son, oh. Suleiman, who's a college student, at, along. And there's some kind of heart heartbreaking quotes about, yeah. like, you know, he, the kid kind of just wanted to go because he loves his dad and didn't really want to go in the first place. He was super scared. Got to tell you this. I love Trust a lot of instinct. people in this world. Trust the gut on say that no. Say no. Yeah. You go. I'll it, stay on know, the ship. It, you got to – part of – Becoming an adult is learning how to say no. I am still kind of bad at it, but oh, I do. Oh, I'm famously terrible. Yeah, most people are. Yeah. But if people say, I, I, but if someone's going to be like, do you want to go somewhere in a submarine? Uh, sorry, I'm, fact I, check, submersible. Submersible, yeah, but I'm going to probably say no because I don't like the pressure. I think you would say yes to the submarine. I don't think I would. Really? I really? I've thought about submarines a lot. I don't think I would, no. Ship, yes, anywhere. I don't want to go to the Arctic. But yeah. I would. Really? I just don't want to go. I don't care. What I think what am I going to see there? I want to see the secret war that's going on there. Well, the, not, the Nazis won that list, and you're not going to, as a poll, you're not going to like what you find up there. Oh, my You're God. not going to like it. Pull to pull. So the final passenger was a guy named Hamish Harding. Hamish. Hamish Harding. This guy was class. He's so British. Hamish Harding is the fucking craziest British name I've ever heard. So British. Born in London. But raised in Hong Kong. <laughs> is also very British. But it's one of the most British places. I will say this. Being born in London and being raised in Hong Kong is almost more British than being born and raised in London. Yeah, I agree. I will say it's far more British. Absolutely. Because uh, Hong Kong, I feel, was like post-war Britain's India. In some ways, yeah. Well, post-independence. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I we guess know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying. 
earned his pilot's license in 1985 and had a lifelong obsession with aviation. Another thing that I do not understand. <sighs> Little Dieter needs to fly or whatever that fucking movie was. Made a ton of money in Logica, India. Oh, so he did go to India. <laughs> he went to India and made a bunch of money uh, in this Logica. Not Logitech, to be clear. Logica. It's an Indian subsidiary of a British IT company. Could I fix your microchip, sir? Little chimney sweep shows up and he, you know, he comes and fixes your phone lines. He started something called the Action Group, which sounds something like a sort of Rhodesian mercenary company. <laughs> yes. But uh, it was sort of his, which actually, fair enough, it could have been if he had been born maybe 10 years earlier. Right. But um, this was basically his investment company, which had these different companies that all had action in the name. Uh, you know, I think Action Aviation is the one thing that he was sort of known for, his, his, his aviation company that was based out of Dubai. Described as a billionaire, I fail to see how he's necessarily a billionaire unless he comes from some serious family money because a billion dollars is a lot of fucking money. It's probably a lot of family money. Remember, born in London, raised in Hong Kong. Yes, but it but also could also be like – start asked, a like, yeah. ton of dumbass tech companies early on and, yeah. you know – he was the Middle East chairman of the Explorers Club. Oh, my God. I'm so happy we're talking about this thing. Have you been to the Explorers Are Club? Are you kidding? No. Oh, we should go. You we should, can't just go. Should, can I, you just go? Uh, I don't think you can just go, but isn't I'm like— it in, Isn't it in Life Aquatic? Or it's, it's like, obviously, in, like, it's not a real Explorers no, it's Club, in but maybe it's— in Manhattan, big. I think. Stop. No, it is in Manhattan. Stop. What? Why are you making a joke? I'm, I'm saying making, it was in the Life Aquatic, in the oh, movie. It's, I haven't seen that movie. I just said that. But why would I be saying that it's in a different place than Manhattan? That doesn't make any sense. I don't what you're know. I th- maybe I was like, oh, but I don't know. You're not I listening. Oh, sorry. You're I'm not listening. Sorry. Sometimes the pressure isn't just underwater. Sometimes the pressure's in a studio with your friends. He was the Middle East chairman of the Explorers Club. Sort of a, a title once held by old Lawrence himself. How many an- dead animals do you think are in that thing? I would say a holocaust. <laughs> Of like hippopotamus heads. (gasps) No, you think hippo heads? Hippo heads are crazy. Get that is that's when you bring a female back to the crib and you're like, and you turn on your LED gamer lights around your crazy fucked up like all TikTok furniture living room, Mm. and the only thing that you have that you didn't purchase on the internet within the past six months is a gigantic hippo head that you slew and sawed off yourself. That's a panty dropper. But the Explorers Club, for those of you who don't know, is a club of explorers. And I, I mean, there's really no better way to describe that. I mean, really, any of the famous explorers that you know about that have been around, like, sort of post-1905 when it started, were in this. And, like, it is they, – their big thing is, is, like, they have these flags of, like, Explorers Club's flags that they will go plant on different – like, the, you know, Buzz Aldrin took one to the fucking yeah. moon. It's, like, shit like that. Which also, I think, I got to say, I feel like he shouldn't have taken that to the moon. Why? Because you were going there for the Americans, not for the I know, it's a little explorer. whack. It's, it's like, like putting a Masonic a thing second. out there. It's like, oh, You yeah. can't have like your side project here with you. You're here on a business trip. It's like putting your Shriners hat on Elvis if you're there yeah, for the Nepalese government. Yeah, it's like, government. no, you can't. They're Elvis, the piggy, they're, First of all, go on behalf of the Explorers Club and the Explorers Club, you finance it. You, you finance figure it. it out. You figure it out. You can't just piggyback on the Americans. Yeah, I do think it's a little, it's a little tasteless. I mean, there's, I mean, look, there's only so much that video cameras could get in the studio. You know what I mean? Someone should shoot that man with an elephant gun. But I, I, I have a little bit. I have met in my life two explorers. Really, I have met two explorers. Uh, a several exes ago was a photographer and uh, was hired to photograph this event with these this couple 
who lived in Africa, Derek and Beverly Joubert, who were like lion <laughs> people. And oh, no. I went to go help out. That's so awful. No, they weren't li- No, they were preserving them. Oh, no, oh. yeah, yeah. They oh, were hunting me. lions? They were, no, they were doing the opposite of hunting lions. Okay, you really didn't pre- make that I should clear. have made that clear. Yeah. I should have made that clear. They were doing the opposite. They were like lion preservationists. Okay, there you and go. And they like lived out in a fucking house they built in the trees in the middle of the savanna to like better be among the lions. And like that they sounds sp- cool, but very dangerous. They, well, they had been. They told us this. Uh, we hung out with them the whole mm. night, and because for some reason it was a very not a lot of people working this event, but there's a lot of people there. Uh, and the guy was like this big guy with a beard and like a tan vest on and like, you know, sort of like he would have been wearing a pith helmet if we were anywhere else. His mm-hmm. wife, of course, uh, just like this, this sort of like tough, wiry lady. And um, they just regaled me with these stories. And I was like, this is incredible. They've been shot down. Their plane had been shot down by poachers at one point. She got gored by a rhino. Uh, it's insane. And I was like, wow, this is really... And this is a couple who are really living, and, and I asked them their opinion on seed oils. I'm just What'd they say? I, didn't, no, I didn't do that. I would never. That would. I, I didn't know what those were then or now. Um, but I was. That was. I don't think they were in the Explorers Club because I think they probably take a more tender view of animals. Although mm. maybe the Explorers Club has gone woke. But uh, I. They were explorers, and I found that very, very charming and cool. Anyways, back to Hamish. This guy had been exploring all over. I mean, he's been to the North Pole with Buzz Aldrin. He set some world flying record. And I got to be honest, the Guinness, a lot of people just make up new records and stuff. Yeah. So, like, I don't really take you serious. Unless you beat somebody else's world record, if you're setting a first-time world record, yeah, that's I don't take you that seriously. No, that's bullshit. Yeah, you got to be beating somebody else's. Exactly. It just takes a little creativity. It, ex- precisely, Liz. Uh, and, uh, you know, he'd gone, but he'd been to the bottom of the ocean before. I think he set the world record for longest distance traveling along the ocean floor. And he went to space with Jeff Bezos. He was on that, he was on that space flight with Mm. Bezos. Um, shame that one didn't implode. I gotta be honest with you about this guy too. What a way to go out, you know? I mean, like, it, yes, I know it's tragic and I know it's fucked up, but like, like fine, it would have been more like fitting if he'd gone out in like a experimental aircraft or something, considering his obsession with the air. But if you are a member of the Explorers Club, this is dying in the line of duty, right? And mm-hmm. it's an honorable way to die if you are of that mindset. And so, like, yes, it's tragic or whatever when a human being dies sometimes. Uh, but in this case, it's like, it's, yes, it's, you know, sad, but it's also like, that's kind of a, it's, what do you, that's a good way to go out. We got to talk about his stepson. We have to talk about his stepson. So you dated him. No. (laughs) So much attention was paid to this motherfucker. Through this whole event that it would be – we can't not talk about this kid. Yes. Brian. And I I didn't – part of me was like, is it okay? What a Brian. I mean the thing is everything about this guy is is so right that if that makes sense. Like Mm. he's the most stepson there's ever been. Yeah. And he's – it's what a Brian too. I mean I didn't feel – part of me was like, I don't know. Like I feel kind of bad about this. But then I was – because he's Asperger's. Mm. uh, But then I was like, I actually have known a lot of people with Asperger's. They've never done any of this stuff. So I'm like, I think this guy is just also fucked up. So – 
to be clear, he's self-described as having Asperger's. His stepfather is Hamish. His real father is an FBI therapist. Hmm. Like he was a special agent for the FBI who like I think counseled other special agents according to his LinkedIn. Uh, he lives in Ohio. So Brian came to people's attention because he tweeted, Liz, My stepdad Hamish is on submarine lost at sea. I'm devastated. But coming to the San Diego show tonight so you guys can give me hope and cheer me up. This was directed at the band Blink-182. Work sucks. I know. Yeah, he tweeted something else that got a lot of attention, which was, it might be distasteful being here, which is not a, you never want to start a statement out with that, by yeah. the way. It might be distasteful being here, but my family would want me to be at the Blink-182 show as it's my favorite band and music helps me in difficult times. Blackheart emoji, prayer hands. The blackheart emoji is crazy. What circumstances do people send blackheart emojis in? I've, I don't know, but I feel like he's trying to do a like a hardcore love. moment. Oh, like he's trying he's, to do like a uh, like a punk moment there. Like I, it's like blackheart. Like I don't know, maybe the blackheart, but I don't think the hands because Liz is doing the hands. No, thing I'm just too. doing that like for myself. But yeah. the blackheart is supposed to be more like punk heart. Like yeah, like it's like a punk heart. Yeah. yeah, for me, it's a heart with a safety pin in it, mm, and totally. a fucking girl with a mohawk giving it to somebody with a fucking a skinhead. So, Cardi B shoots back at him. (laughs) (laughs) Cardi B, friend of the show, Cardi B says, uh, basically, I'm not going to read the quote, but she basically is like, what the fuck? This is insane. Like, you're trying to get clout off your stepdad missing, which, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much inarguable there. Yeah. Brian called her, he fired back at Cardi B and called her a clout hound who could use some class, which is... I think she's, I don't think Cardi B, I don't think Cardi B was trying to get clout off the stepson. That seems a little ridiculous to me. He then spent the rest of the day responding to, vigorously responding to OnlyFans models tweets and sometimes interspersing those with vague statements about praying for him or his family. I mean, these were girls who would like post, like, you know, the OnlyFans like being like, do you want me to, like, what would you do if I sat on your face and farted? And he's like, please do. (laughs) Or Yum! Like, shit like that. And I think that, <laughs> that broke me, Liz. <laughs> that broke me. Because I can't even get horny when I'm hungry. And this guy is like, his dad is at this point missing. Stepdad. 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 Is at this point missing. And he's just like, um, uh, those paintings look fire, though. I will say he obviously does love Blink-182, though, because his screen name is Audio Guy 182 Yes. So... So then I saw a tweet by sort of a e-girl type pop musician. I think it's safe to say. Like a, a, a pop musician who you could mistake for a professional Twitch streamer and who actually might be a professional Twitch streamer. And uh, the tweet says, what well, Liz, could you do me the honors? Hi. The man Brian who has a photo with me where I signed his shoe, I've never talked to him before in my life other than that show where I did a meet and greet. I have no idea who he was until later. He's been blocked and banned from all my shows since. That photo is of of Brian next to her, and she looks uncomfortable. And he's got a hover hand probably three feet off of her body. But I was like, well, what? I mean, I don't understand because there's no real – she doesn't really give a lot of context for it. And it seems like there's people who do know context responding to her. So I, I, I looked a little bit. And um, – there's a reference, multiple references uh, that he's been stalking some women. 
and then more particular references in some old screenshots where he's stalking particular women, and particularly this one woman known, an EDM artist known as, and what an EDM name this is, Allison Wonderland. <laughs> and these, listen, we're niche micro-celebs, right? Sometimes people do weird things, you know? This is crazier than yeah, a lot really of stuff I've seen. Freaky deaky. Uh, can you read these tweets that he wrote? Oof. Uh, I got a tattoo of this bitch. She fucking dissed me. And then he says, A.W., clearly meaning Alice in Wonderland. A.W. fucking pay. I will, n- I will show up to her L.A. apartment. I will fucking find Alice in Wonderland and hunt her ass down. And you're like, okay, maybe that's just a crazy tweet storm of anger. People get frustrated. <laughs> Okay. Taking yeah, shit out. This is okay. I'm trying to be generous. You're being very generous, but understand, okay. Um, but no, he actually got arrested for threatening to shoot up an Alice in Wonderland show. Yes, in Las Vegas, Illeni- with Illenium, which I thought that was a festival, and I guess it's a person. Mm. Uh, in 2021, he I got feel arrested. Like you can't for call it. yourself Illenium after Willenium. Yeah, and it's also just, it doesn't really, Illenium sucks as a name to be. Uh, people are like, oh, I'm Illenium. You're like, wait, Illenium? Like no, the album? Illenium. Yeah, I don't much. think the show is at. Well, you know where. But uh, it was in Las Vegas, and he was mm-hmm. planning to shoot it up. Uh, he gets arrested for stalking and harassment, um, goes to jail in San Diego, and according to a lawsuit, was attacked by his cellmate for being possessed by the devil. Now, Wait, attacked for being possessed by the, the devil? The cellmate attacked Brian because the cellmate believed Brian was oh, possessed by the devil. Okay. And to do to apparently excise him or exorcise him of this devilish spirit within him, he beat up Brian, but he also bit him very hard on the hand, and uh, that wound was infected, and uh, he, Brian subsequently claimed in his lawsuit to have gone blind from that, although he apparently has fully recovered his vision. Interesting. Um, but uh, he was let out of jail, after a couple of years, so fairly recently, I believe, I looked at his Facebook. He deleted his Twitter. Well, we'll get to that. But I looked at his Facebook a long time ba- back, and he, he got released fairly recently because he makes several posts about it. I also saw some tweets by a woman being like, I just found out my stalker is out of jail because his stepdad is missing on the submersible. Like, this yeah, that's is a, a different crazy woman he stalked. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, this is not his first brush with the law. Uh, when he was 18, he and two friends had robbed a couple of gas stations at Knife Point. Their car later gets stuck on some train tracks. And uh, they get out of the car, call a tow truck. And while they're waiting for the tow truck, the car is struck by an Amtrak train. Oh and they're God. arrested waiting for the tow truck to get there. Insane. That's crazy. The saga of Brian ends, of okay. course, as many online sagas do. With the N-word. He said this. Quit tripping in my hood. I can say beep without the ER, of course. I'm down like that. On the set. It makes you feel bad. Yeah, that's not great. No. But he deleted his account and now we never have to hear from him again. No, no. It's, uh, that was a, it was a kind of a, it was, I would say that was like a side plot that kept people going. So much about this story captivated the nation. So much about this captivated the nation. But he was a captivating figure in his own right. But now, as of yesterday, we were recording this on Friday. It is 2.56 p.m. And the sub has been declared destroyed. Yeah. They seem to have 
they said they found debris. Mm-hmm. It's a little unclear. They also say they probably knew that it imploded much earlier in the week than they let on, which is a little confusing to me. I mean, here's like I I the second I heard the sub was missing, I was like, it it imploded. Of course, it, of course, it imploded. I mean. There was like a number of different and, – and I get it. Like this is the sort of like titillating, morbidly fascinating thing about this stuff, right? Mm. Is like I think anybody who thinks about this stuff for more than five minutes are like, oh, this thing obviously fucking imploded, right? Like these guys have been dead this entire time. But there was all of these um, you know, articles coming out and people talking about this and, and myself thinking about it is like – I mean the alternatives are these guys are down at the bottom of the ocean with – no lights, mm-hmm. with no heat, mm-hmm. in a bare bones tube, with a non working computer screen. So like in the blackest it can get on Earth, right? Like you are so far down, you are enveloped in darkness, like the darkest dark that you can get, and you're essentially down there freezing to death as the oxygen slowly runs out. And then for some reason, people are also like, maybe they're having sex with each other, <laughs> which I didn't understand because I'm like, dude. I, well, there's the, a Frenchman. The, that's true. But the only thing worse than being stuck in a submarine, slowly suffocating at the bottom of the ocean, is also for some reason fucking a 55-year-old dude at the same time. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they would probably just be like getting the anxiety out another way. Yeah. By killing the guy. Who, <laughs> <laughs> by killing Mr. Rush. I, I, I think there was this, like, this, I, I, I got to admit, I mean, I thought about it too, you know? Like, it's like you think what would you feel like in that situation? Mm. And I kept thinking, like, you know, you're hour 30, right? At some point you sort of pass out from exhaustion. There's probably not really any food in there. There's no seats. We know there's no food because they only brought a couple sandwiches and a little bit of water. Yeah. Oh, the water thing is crazy. I would definitely – you do not want to be in a water, water all around but not a drop to drink situation. Oh, never want to be in a not never. not a drop to drink. Yeah. You would never want to be in that situation. Um, yeah, and like I imagine them – like it's the same reason that I was like really obsessed with the Alive plane crash when I was younger and like mm. read that book like six times because it's just like it's, it's, it's so horrible to think about, you know? And it's such an extraordinarily like excruciating way to die – that I think that is really like people tried to pretend like it was like, oh, I, I'm like, I, I'm thinking about this news story because it's billionaires. Or I'm thinking about this news story because like uh, this says a lot about our society. Mm. But like, no, the reason that anyone's thinking about the news story is because it's fucking crazy. Yeah. And there's a potentially one of the most like inventively torturous ways to die possible that is occurring and a race against time to save that. But that's not what happened. No, it's not what happened. The U.S. Navy, like you said, I mean, like knew from the get-go, right? It seems like it, yeah. and it, Or at least a lot. It seems like they knew much earlier than they announced. Yeah. Which maybe had something to do with notifying the families and trying to keep some of this stuff, you know, some, some bit of privacy for them. Um, but it seems that they knew pretty, pretty early on that this thing just imploded. Maybe they were looking for confirmation, physical confirmation, finding some debris, which it sounds like they did. Um, but this thing, uh, the the Titan imploded basically pretty much when it went, when it lost contact. Yeah. So like an hour and a half into the, the ship, the, the voyage. Yeah. And we should say like 
<laughs> there seemed to have been some confusion, which you brought my attention to, about the difference between an explosion and an implosion, which yeah. I found surprising that there was some confusion there. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. But it is, it makes, uh, to be generous, again, to that person who seems to be confused about that, um, I do think, because it feel, it's so unnatural to think about. yeah. There is a bit of a kind of reverso. It's a reverso. <laughs> reverso yeah. situation. And I think it's because the idea of being trapped under the sea is excruciating to think about. I mean, terrifying. Yeah. And the fact that it could end with your insides basically deciding to become your outsides. Mm-hmm. And Speaking <laughs> of reversos. In a full reverso. What are doing out there? Um, is just sickening. Yeah, it is. It is like I mean that's the thing too. Like it's it's such a morbidly like fascinating, crazy way to fucking die. Mm-hmm. You know, to basically have your body explode because you're. That's the thing is there's that's the complicated thing about this too is there is explosions happening, but there's they're caused by an implosion. Yeah. So everybody knows. I mean, I, this is fair. I'm not. I, I want to preface this with all saying I'm not a science fucking guy. But I am scared of pressure because I always on fucking flights, not always, but this is happening many times on flights, is like during the descent, I guess I'll have my mouth closed or something mm. and my ears won't pop for like hours. Oh, yeah, I think I've this seen happened it. when we were, yeah, this yeah, happened when we traveled together. I hate it. I hate that feeling. And that's mm. because of the, the sort of rapid change in pressurization or, you know, it's, it's and the way your body responds, the way my body's responding to it. I don't think my body responds well to f- my, the physical pressure around me changing. Yeah. And so you'll never catch my ass going up the fucking You don't like Everest. to be under pressure. I don't like to be, un- I don't like to be under pressure. Not for me. But so I know a little bit about the way that it works under the ocean because I've always been scared of it. But also I've been fascinated by submarines mm. because they're Fucking crazy. They put these guys in these little But you also, like because that. you're tortured and fascinated by that, which scares you. That's true. That's why, like, yes, that's, it's true. And so. It's a, you know, you are, you're, a, you know, you fear and love that, you know what I mean? It's the same. I don't love it. Well, but, but you're drawn to it. it. I am drawn to it. Yes. And well, that's sort the kind of drawn of to it so I can go draw myself further away from it. Well, yes and no. So the Titan is. Designed. Well, to, <laughs> let's use that word loosely. It's theoretically supposed to be able to go like over twelve thousand five hundred feet down, right? No That's way. like where the Titanic is. Oh, no, it has been down. It there. did, but I would not know. It's sort of the it's sort of the it's disposable situation <laughs> kind of going on there, Brit- Branson style. Yeah. Down there, the pressure is over four hundred times what it is on the surface, and I could give you all kinds of like you know this is the equivalent of that. It's That's like crazy. having a fuck. Uh, just imagine apartment buildings on top of you. You know what I mean? Like it's it's uh, fucking houses on top of you getting squished like a bug. But this is like th- this is a massive, massive pressure coming at this vessel from all sides. So any small defect in that sub, a sub which, as you are well aware, is basically made out of like a you know a the self help section or the do it yourself section at like a Walmart. Any small defect in that could lead to catastrophic failure, right? If the if the pressure from the outside gets into the inside, which is pressurized, you know, diff- obviously very differently than that, mm-hmm. uh, that shit will essentially collapse in on itself. Yeah. And 
that is basically what happened, right? So like that is like it'll it, like it's the same kind of thing as like the thresher, right? Like eventually, like a, a, a the pressure from the outside will get in, and there will just be an implosion, and it'll sink in on itself. And this happens so 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 quickly, right? The good thing is, is these guys probably had no idea that it was happening. The scary thing to think about is there might have been a sign, although they didn't give any indication of the surface, but like it could have been like, hey. There's something going on in this seal over here. And then you have that fear knowing that you can do nothing about it and that you are going to die in a crazy motherfucking way very soon. And you have to sit with that for three or four minutes like the guys on the Thresher did. But it's neither here nor there. So what it does, it will collapse in on itself like, you know, like, like kind of like when you step on a beer can or something like yeah. that. The way what happens to your bodies, and this is happening at the same instant, is essentially your body is disintegrated. Because it's crushed by the pressure there. I mean, other stuff happens, you know, it's, and it disintegrates in different ways depending on the air, where the air is and all that stuff. But, like, your body is essentially made into dust as far as I know from, from, from an incident like this. Like, these guys' bodies will not be recovered. I mean, maybe some parts of their bodies will because you kind of explode. The air can also light on fire, which I think that was probably too small a vessel for that to happen in here. But, like, you it, – it fucks your shit up. There is – this is – there's another – there's a sort of – I mean there's the famous – what's the Nutty Putty Cave where like the guy was hanging hanging down for like 20 hours while he slowly died while the rescue teams couldn't get him out or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean that's one of those stories that like a lot of people know because it's it's this horrible story. You you know, you sort of imagine yourself in that situation and you are, take yourself out of that and you're glad it never happened to you. The situation that keeps coming getting brought up in reference to the uh, – a death by decompression – this, although this wouldn't have happened on the sub, is uh, this story called the Biford – well, it's about the Biford dolphin accident, something I'd, I'd known about for a little while because I've known actually a saturation diver. Uh, this, he wasn't the person who told me about it, but I've known what saturation diving is for a while. Looked, you know, I've looked at it as sort of out of m- morbid curiosity because it you know, freaks me out. It's one of those things that I, I don't want to go down there. So in 83, four saturation divers and one crewman died aboard an oil rig, I think off of Norway. And, you know, the saturation diving is, you know, you, you, you know, have you ever dove before, Liz? No, never. You're not scuba licensed? No, never. I would well, never do that, ever. I, I, I can't do that because they're all glasses. Mm. You need, like, special ones to do Yeah. That. I have a friend who did, though, who does it. It's, it seems scary to me. Yeah, i But you, know, you go down to the bottom and then, you know, your body is I'm a great of, swimmer. You are? Mm-hmm. I'm a good swimmer, too. We should race. I would beat you. You'd probably beat me. I feel like you'd be I'm life. a great swimmer. You'd be life. But I'm just completely hairless. I was a competitive swimmer. You were? Mm-hmm. Not me. There was no competition. You know, the thing is with saturation diving is you go to the bottom, and it's called saturation diving because your blood gets saturated with nitrogen. And, like, it, 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 it you know, you sort of adjust to the pressure down there. And usually what they would have to do is they would have to, like, you, when, you, when you resurface, you have to take these little breaks on the way up so that your blood can adjust to the pressure. And so, like, these air, these air bubbles, like we were talking about before with the bends, so that you don't get the bends. Because mm-hmm. that can be very fatal, especially when you're, uh, you know, just uh, f- sort of free in the water. Right. What these guys with saturation divers was, is they, uh, they'd do, they'd stay the whole month in these hyperbaric chambers above a vessel or above, or excuse me, aboard a vessel or aboard an oil rig. And then they're lowered down to the bottom in a diving bell that is pressurized the same way as that chamber, the same way the the diving bell, the same way as the bottom. So you basically spend the entire month 
with the pressure that you would feel at the bottom. And these guys aren't going like Titanic level, but they're going pretty far down there. So in order to save like all this time going back up and repressurizing, because this takes a long time, um, you sort of save that for a period at the end of the month. So you spend 30 days doing this kind of locked in these little chambers on top of inside an oil rig. You also talk all fucked up because the you don't just breathe oxygen. You breathe sort of a gas mixture that includes helium. So you talk in helium voice. And, I mean, I've seen a lot of videos. I mean, these guys, like, post videos and stuff all the time. And, like, they all talk in these sort of chipmunk voices. When they need to communicate with the vessels, they use a voice modulator, which I think is really funny, like a, like a Darth Vader voice deepener. But within this particular incident, and this is also, like all of the other accidents we've talked about with depressurization, happened because of cutting cost and because of safety regulations being lax. These four guys are in their hyperbaric chambers. Two of them are about to descend. Two of them are resting. And uh, there is – the diving bell sort of comes loose before it's supposed to and not everything's sealed. And so the um, um, immense change in pressure has catastrophic effects on everybody. I mean it's explosive decompression. So what happens is, is the, the diving bell shoots out and this is a giant fucking massive heavy metal thing. Immediately kills a crew member, really fucks another one up. It sucks one of the divers through a 24-inch hole. Um, the man was substantially larger than 24 inches around. And the guy's, you know, his organs ended up basically outside of his body, perfectly preserved because it essentially bisected him. The other four people, or the, excuse me, the other three divers, their blood literally flash boiled in their bodies and they died. It was the one of the worst decompression accidents. I mean, certainly one of the most horrific ones. I've, you know, you can look at some of the pictures. Don't do this, but there are pictures of the, the bodies afterwards. It is fucking insane. And it's one of the most nightmarish ways to die. Your blood literally boils in your body. And that is all to say, like, this is not stuff to fuck around with. No. Like, if you're a guy who owns a submarine company and you're cutting costs on it and you're being innovative in this way, like, you're fucking around. You're not fucking around with, like, uh, this is a new way to, like, uh, order food online. Like, you're fucking around with forces like this that can make your blood boil in your body. Yeah. Like, that's, like, you're fucking around with horrors beyond my comprehension. And, like, it's, that is, that is what, the, basically what Stockton Rush did here. Yeah. Like I said, no appropriate fear, no respect for No the world. respect for it. No respect for the reality. Yeah. And like I, I'm just, you know, my word of advice to listeners out there, if you're ever in a situation where you own a company that has the possibility that if your shit fucks up, someone's blood flash boils in their body, I think you should really um, try to get that li licensed yeah. by somebody. You know, some people say that octopi are the aliens of the sea, that they're actually mean? aliens, but they're in the ocean. Oh, because they're smart or whatever? They're so fucking smart. But, like— It's so sad. How smart are they? Octopus is so smart <laughs> that—no, but they are really smart. You know, a lot of them will kill themselves in captivity. That sounds—okay. Well, that sounds stupid. But Why? Because most prisoners just live in captivity. Maybe they get out. What, what do they I don't agree know, that what suicide is a very stupid thing to do. Um— People always say that about animals, like pigs are smart. Like, well, can it read? No, but no one's taught it. But like, could I teach it to read? I don't know. I think you should try. Coco? Coco? Coco's ass was faking it. Everyone knows that now, but 
Oh, Coco the gorilla. That was a mass delusion for a while. You think? think that, yeah, de- definitely yes. Watch Coco again because Coco was saying way more complex stuff than you might remember. Mm-hmm. Coco wasn't just like, give me nothing. I think that we had to watch the Coco stuff in that funny theology class I had with the alcoholic. They <laughs> were like, what, uh, what it was a side very were they weird taking there? Were they like, class. gorillas are angels? It was like a gorillas in the mist situation. Uh huh. I forgot, but I was wondering if you could remember. We didn't talk about this on our like little navel gazing episode, our 300th episode. What? But I was thinking back to all my favorite moments. Remember the Coomers in the Mist? Oh, yes, yes. That was an early episode. <laughs> Can you do it again? Coomers in the Mist. Coomers in the Mist. Coomers in the Mist. Coomers in the Mist. I can't remember how to do it. We fully. need an underwater version. How far would you go down there? I don't know. It's like a pool. Hundred, I think twelve nine feet? feet. Twelve feet, maybe some of the bigger ones. Fourteen yeah. feet. Would you go? What, what about an infinity pool? I've gone pretty. Uh, I'm trying to think of when I was swimming. Like we would go pretty deep. Um, I don't know. I think I could do like thirty feet. You could do thirty. I'm not going down more But than I don't 30. really want to. Also, I don't love like ocean. I mean, I, I like love a the sea. Ocean. I love the ocean. No, no, no. I like a sea. Yeah. Well, I don't like an ocean. I love the infinite expanse of the ocean. But I'm saying I don't want to be in the Atlantic. I, the but Atl- I would love to be in the Mediterranean. Like, put me in the Pacific. Atlantic, I feel like, is evil. The Pacific, well, I've never been like in, I mean, besides like. No, but I used to walk down like every night and like look at the Pacific and dream. Oh, yeah. Like, but you wouldn't be like in the middle of it. No, I couldn't. But that's what I would dream of. Mm-hmm. And then I, I guess got my Hawaii sounds. And nice. I got Never my Merchant there. Marine license. But then the podcast derailed my dreams. But no, all good. I'll get new ones. All good though. It's all good. Well, you guys are my dream. Oh, my God, that and that is a nightmare. I, I want to make one more point. Mm-hmm. I think there is a tendency when stories like this happen for everybody to try to shoehorn their stupid political beliefs into this. And I want to state the real fact of the matter is sometimes crazy shit happens. Mm. Sometimes crazy shit just happens, right? And this is not – if you're trying to make a great case about capitalism from five guys turning into dust in a submarine in like, you know, 300 miles off the coast of Newfoundland, you're, you're wasting your time. Yeah, you're you not making a great case. Weird. Also, apparently that's not how you pronounce Newfoundland. 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 Newfoundland? No, it's Newfoundland, I think. No, it isn't Newfoundland. It's Newfoundland? Yeah, it's it's Bullshit. Like, that's it's what Newfoundland. I said. It's not Newfoundland. Newfoundland? Yeah. How come they call them Newfies then? Or it's like Newf- Newfoundland. Newfoundland? It might be. I can't remember, but it's it's not what you think it should be. I knew a guy, I knew a killer drummer from Newfoundland. Mm. Newfoundland. My name is Liz. My name, of course, is Captain Jocko Willink, Brace Belden. We have Mr. The Man of the Depths himself, the plumber of the depths, they call I can't believe we didn't make any Poseidon jokes. I don't fuck with that. Mm -hmm. The sea gods, I think, are real and they're scary. No, I understand that. I don't like them. Yeah. We are, of course, joined by the old cabin boy himself. It's it's the oceans are now battlefields, and here is your jo- – no, oceans are now best friends, and here is your best friend. That didn't make sense. Let me see. Oceans are now graveyards, and here is the grave digger, Young Chomsky, the producer of this podcast. Which is called True Anon. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Let's go to Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Jeffrey.
Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs>